welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome back to the program, everyone. If you're tuning in for the first time, tonight's going to be a little weird. For everyone else that's been listening for a while, you guys are familiar with the grab bag episodes. Well, I always struggle with those. They're just not what I wanted them to be. They don't have the flair that I'd hoped. So over the past couple years, I've been thinking of ways to spice them up. Because sometimes I fall behind and a grab bag is there to save me. And this week is just such a week. Now Sarah and I had just returned from our trip in the Eastern Sierras. We spent three nights just outside of Bishop. Near Lake Sabrina. It's beautiful up there. Certainly Sasquatch country. But what it did do was make me late for this week's episode. So on my long drive back, I came up with a plan. Now this isn't an original plan, it's just a new plan for the show. So this morning, I had Sarah post on Instagram, asking for suggestions on what subject you would like to hear. So tonight, I'm going to go through one by one each of these comments and see what I can do. So without further delay, our first comment this evening comes to us from Band in Alston. I think that's how it's pronounced. Anyway, he or she or they say more ghost stuff in general, but doppelgangers slash things that mimic voices especially freak me out. Well, Band in Alston. I got something that might work out. Please welcome Bubba from the state of New York to the program. Hey, Derek. My name's Brandon, uh, but everybody calls me Bubba. Uh, I'm from Buffalo, New York. I got a little ghost story from a couple years ago. I, uh, I was dog-sitting for my grandfather. Uh, him and my family went to visit my aunt in Ohio. And uh, so I was sleeping in the back room with the dog. Now, the back room and the kitchen are connected by a half wall that has just an old tablecloth um, hung up so when the kids are playing in the back room and the parents are cooking it's a little protected in case you know we got a little rowdy and we're throwing stuff it didn't end up in the food so I was sleeping on the couch that's against this half wall and the dog uh, his name is Buddy was sleeping on the floor uh, right by me and I woke up in the middle of the night to him just growling now he's kind of a weird dog he uh, he'd growl at anybody or anything besides myself, my grandfather, and a couple other people. Um, so I didn't think much of it. Told him to, you know, calm down, be quiet, which he did. And as soon as he stopped, I heard just clear as day, work boots on the tile floor in the kitchen. Now, first thing was that I thought was, oh, okay, you know, my uncle couldn't sleep, so he came up to do paperwork. Uh, my uncle and my grandfather have their own construction business, and uh, they used my grandfather's house as kind of like an office. So I called my uncle's name, and there was no answer, but the footsteps just stopped. And the dog just goes absolutely berserk, just barking, growling. So now I'm thinking, oh, somebody broke in. And uh, so I grabbed the shotgun that I brought with me because there were reports of break-ins in the area, and I just started walking through the house. Checked... uh, every room 
upstairs, downstairs, in the basement. No sign of anybody in the house. No broken glass. The door was still locked. And uh, my grandfather's got this long driveway. So I opened the door and looked out with a flashlight, and there was a fresh coat of snow on the ground. There was no tire tracks, no footprints. So I kind of just, you know, brushed it off, went back to bed. And I guess I never told anybody about it. Because a couple months later, I kind of just brought it up in conversation with my mother. And uh, she goes, oh, you know, you never told me about this. I'm like, oh, no, sure I did. I definitely told you. And she said, uh, she goes, no, because I would have told you what happened to my my aunt. So the last couple of times, my aunt has stayed at my grandfather's house. She has slept on the couch in the other uh the other living room and she's woken up in the middle of the night to a man standing at the end of the couch looking into the dining room uh she was saying it was a middle-aged guy with a suit and a black top hat on saying she didn't feel scared or anything and he was just kind of there so i don't know don't really know what to make of it Uh, i slept there multiple times after that and nothing's ever happened so uh I don't know. We'll chalk it up to uh, just one of those things. But uh, they were clear as day footsteps. I thought, you know, my uncle was up there doing paperwork, and but I don't know. Nothing was there. All right. Uh, I figured I'd share it. Have a good day. Thanks, Bubba. You know, I've been in those shoes. I remember, and I know I've told this story before, but I was, but I was house sitting for my grandparents. They went to, I believe, Hawaii. Well, we all knew the place had some sort of energy to it, especially the back end of the house, which I believe I also mentioned that it was once a candy store that was in town. My grandfather and a few of my uncles, and I believe my dad, he might have been really young at the time, but they tore down the candy store because they were putting a new state route exactly through where it stood. And my grandfather, being the resourceful man that he was, he salvaged all the wood and built the back half of his house with it. So anyway, long story short, we always felt something came with that lumber. My grandmother called him Charlie. But when I was there, alone, house-sitting, he scared the hell out of me. So I feel you, Bubba. I know you're pain. And I thank you for calling your story in. Now then, next on this little Instagram post, we have a comment from Risen from Ash, who asks for more Dogman stories. Well, I'll be honest with you, Risen from Ash. Those stories are real hard to come by. Especially good Dogman stories. But it is spooky season after all, so... Let's see what we can find. Well, risen from ash. Seems like it's your lucky night. Because Robin has a story out of West Virginia that I think is probably perfect. Please join me in welcoming her to the program. Hey, Derek. My name is Robin, and I am calling you from Florida, but this incident that happened actually happened in West Virginia. 
So back in 2008, my husband and I decided to take my then four-year-old son and my mom on a quick snow skiing trip to Snowshoe, West Virginia, the week between Christmas and New Year's. So, and we decided that we really didn't want to drive all that way. So we decided to fly into Charleston, West Virginia and rent a car and then drive over to Snowshoe. So we landed in Charleston and we loaded up the car and started on our way over to Snowshoe. And by this time on that particular day, it was about 5.30 or 6 p.m. So it started to get pretty dark. And the way over there is pretty, it's pretty much two lane highway uh, for the majority of the ride. And obviously it's very windy and hilly and gets more mountainous as you get closer to snowshoe. So we were only about 30 to 45 minutes into the trip, kind of starting to wind through. And my mom and my son had fallen asleep. Um, They were completely worn out. So my husband was driving and I was riding shotgun and we get to this one particular hill And we're going up the incline and at the very top of the hill um, was kind of a rock cut area where they blast through the rock in order to complete the highway. And I'm honestly, I really don't know what those are called, the correct terminology, because we don't have those in Florida. So um, anyway, rock cut area. So our headlights landed on something on the left hand edge of this little rock cliff. I'm going to say the cliff was about on either side. They were probably both about 20 to 25 feet high, not too high, but our headlights landed on this thing, this strange thing sitting, perching on the edge of the cliff. And as we got closer, it looked like a giant dog. It definitely had dog-like features. I mean, we, we could see it in profile. So it um, you know, it had kind of a dog's muzzle and it had pointy ears, but this thing was huge. And by huge, I mean, I'm 5'4", so I'm not tall by any stretch of the imagination, but this thing was in a seated position at the edge of this cliff. And I would guess that it would have been eye to eye with me. So it was pretty big for a seated dog. Also, it was super muscular. I mean, this thing was, this thing had giant muscles. It was, they were really defined and totally bizarre, totally bizarre. And as we got closer and closer to it, probably only about 60 feet away, this thing went from its seated position with no momentum and completely leapt across the entire two lane highway complete with emergency lanes on either side of the regular lanes and galloped off into the trees on the other side of the road of the cliff. And it was the most incredible thing we've ever seen. It made absolutely no sense to us whatsoever. This highway had two standard lanes, then again, the smaller emergency lanes on either side, and then this rock cut area was kind of sloped. And so of course it's going to be wider at the top. And so my husband and I are thinking like this thing leapt at least 40 feet from a seated position before it galloped off into the, and I say gallop only because it's the only, it's really the best way to describe its running motion. 
while it was in the air, I know that sounds crazy, but when it was like right in front of our car and over our car and in the air, you could see the defined muscles even better. And it had this really small waist with muscular hind legs, but the upper body was much bigger and bulkier than the rest of the animal or thing. It, and, <laughs> and it almost looked like it had shoulders it really, it really looked a lot like a gargoyle, honestly. Very strange. I don't remember the tail. I know it had a tail, but it wasn't all that remarkable. So I don't remember too many details about it, but I do remember there being, you know, a medium-sized tail. But anyway, it was so bizarre. My husband and I looked at each other and simultaneously we said, what the p- was that? <laughs> And, and we still say that, you know, 12 years later. Anyway, after Googling and just kind of like doing a little research, the only thing that he and I can agree on that it looks like is a dog man, which I can't even believe I'm saying that out loud, but it, it does look like illustrations of a dog man. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen to this date. Hopefully it's the craziest thing I will ever see. We did talk about on the rest of our trip, though, how when we landed in Charleston, West Virginia, that's really only about an hour away from Point Pleasant, where all of the crazy Mothman sightings were and the bridge collapse and everything that happened back in the day. But very strange area. We figured you were probably the perfect person to share this with that hopefully you could give us some ideas if you know what this could be or if you've heard of any other stories of anything crazy like this in that area. I'm sure there's lots of strange things in that area, but um, love the podcast. I think it's awesome. I think I've probably heard every single one. I've been listening since just about the beginning and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. I know it's crazy. And keep up the good work and can't wait for the next episode. Take care. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. I have mad respect for anyone that sat through the first couple episodes of this program. So how about that one? Risen from the Ash. It's a pretty good story. And believe it or not, it's not the first time I've heard one almost exactly like it. A year or so back, I remember reading about a dogman experience in West Virginia, so I went back and dug it up while I was listening to this one. Now this information comes from National Cryptid Society, and it details an experience from August 27th of 2017, near the town of Lavalette, West Virginia, which, depending on where Robin had her experience, is only about 100 to 150 miles away. Well, it's an experience by a man named Ronald, who was 20 years old at the time, and was driving through rural parts of West Virginia when he had his experience. Now, he too was in a vehicle, driving along, and he reached a high bank. I'm not sure what those are called either. Robin. We always refer to them as uh, cuts. So this gentleman was driving down the road, and in his headlights he saw something he couldn't quite explain. I've actually pulled out a section of this 12 or 13 minute recording. I want you to hear how similar Ronald's account is to Robin's. When we both stared at each other, even while I'm inside my car, I heard what sounded like bones popping loudly, and to my absolute shock, 
I watched this wolf place its hand on top of my car hood, raise itself off the ground, and stand up on two legs. Yeah, you heard me right. It wasn't a paw it placed on my car hood. It was a hand. When the wolf stood up and my headlights hit it square on, that's when I got a really good look at it. It was easily 8 feet tall and weighed approximately 600 to 650 pounds or more. As I said, it was covered in jet black hair that seemed quite feral in my opinion, as if it hadn't been cleaning itself that much. And it had a long bushy tail and two glowing amber yellow eyes. To my shock, it was more than a wolf standing on its hind legs. It had a human-like torso from the waist up, appeared pretty muscular with broad shoulders and long forearms, longer than those of a normal human being. I could see the muscles from this quote-unquote wolfman pulsating with each breath it took, especially in the headlights. It also had these dexterous hands that looked almost like raccoon hands, but with more elongated fingers and long jet-black claws at each fingertip. They looked like they could be used to easily manipulate any kind of prey in its clutches, and they looked like they could easily rip me to shreds, or maybe they could do more than just that. Now eventually Ronald uh, broke out of his trance and drove away. And you can hear the entire story by visiting tonight's show notes. Or you can go over to the National Cryptid Society and search for it yourself. It's wild stuff, Robin. We truly appreciate you taking the time to share the story with us. Having grown up not all that far from that area, I find this story fascinating. Now, folks, if you have a story you would like to hear on the show, give our hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. All right. Well, our next commenter is Allie Gilstrap, and she suggested aliens and mirrored men. Well, Allie, I would love to play you a handful of mirrored men stories but that well seems to have been dry as of lately. So maybe you out there listening have a mirrored men experience or have heard one. If you're that person, maybe give the show a call. But as far as aliens are concerned, I think I might have something that would pique your interest. The following was submitted anonymously from my home state of Ohio. Hi, Derek. So this story comes from Ohio, um, around the Dayton area, between Dayton and Cincy, closer to Dayton. So these happened about a year ago, and these aren't my experiences. I'm telling this on behalf of two of my closest friends, but these happened about two, two weeks apart, completely unrelated to each other. At the time, these two girls were not friends with each other, they didn't know each other too well, just like mutual through me. And, you know, it's weird because these girls have the same first name and both of their parents, both mom and dad have the same name. So that's kind of weird. And I gotta say, neither of these girls are the type to make up a story like this, let alone even believe in this 
type of stuff, given that it hadn't happened to them. First of all, we live pretty close to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which has all types of conspiracies around it regarding how it may hold remains from the Roswell crash. So we live just 20, 30 minutes south of the Air Force Base. And the first instance happened to one of these girls when she was driving home one night on the state route that runs through our town, which is State Route 73. And it was a dark but clear summer night. And as she's driving home, she looks up and sees some sort of aircraft in the sky with super bright lights, almost like spotlights. And she immediately is overcome with the instinct that this is something otherworldly. And she pulls out her phone and starts taking pictures. Anyone with an iPhone nowadays pretty much knows when the picture is taken, the screen flashes and the little thumbnail comes up at the bottom of the screen. And if you have the flash on, it'll flash. And so she said she took about five or six pictures just to make sure she got a good shot. And then... Just a few minutes later, when she got home, she went to pull up the pictures, and they weren't there. There was no pictures. So she was kind of freaked out. I thought that was kind of crazy. And so a week or so later, my other friend, she was driving to Dayton to go to class. This is like the afternoon, broad daylight, clear day. And as she was on the highway approaching the city, she notices like a large silver flying saucer like, with a dome on the top, like the generic UFO image, I don't know. And she said that she just saw it hover there for a second. And just within, like, seconds, not even, like, faster than the speed of life, this thing just zooms off into the horizon, disappears. And, you know, she was in traffic, not, like, heavy traffic, but she kind of looked around to see if anybody else, like, noticed this or slowed down or anything. And no, nobody seemed phased but her. But that's it for the actual experiences. But oddly enough, both of my friends that were in these situations have been dealing with all types of weird health issues that aren't able to be solved by any doctors or specialists ever since this happened. So... I don't know. I thought I'd share my story with you. Uh, thanks for the podcast. We love it. Keep up the good work. And can't wait to hear next week's podcast. See ya. Thank you, caller. You know, not only were the supposed alien beings from the Roswell crash taken to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, but I recently learned that the craft that supposedly crashed in Kecksburg in the 1960s was also eventually taken to Wright-Patterson. Seems like there's an awful lot of activity going around that little base. Well, anyway, speaking of UFOs, on my way home from this recent camping trip just yesterday, we were driving down 395, a little south of Lone Pine, and we were going pretty slow because we're towing a trailer and it was kind of zoning out. And in the valley to the left of me, I would say probably a thousand yards away. I could see a craft hovering about a hundred feet off the ground. Well, I don't know if it was hovering exactly, but it was above the ground. Now this craft, at first I thought was a drone of some sort. Because it sort of had that structural look to it. But this craft had no lights whatsoever. And if it were a drone, it would have been massive. 
At the same distance, the telephone poles were about an inch to an inch tall in my view. And this craft, this hovering craft, was at least an inch wide. And the strangest detail about this craft was that it seemed to be a singular brown color. Possibly a brushed copper color. It was really hard to determine, but the sun would glisten off the top. I watched it the best I could for somebody driving down the highway, and I tried to point it out to Sarah, but she couldn't find it. Now, I thought for sure this was an eagle or something like that, but then I saw other birds flying around it that were so tiny in comparison. And possibly one of the strangest things about this little experience was on the other side of the highway, two gentlemen were pulled off to the side of the road, and they had tripods and binoculars and cameras pointed in that direction. So if by chance those two gentlemen happened to be listening, please tell me what I saw. Thanks again, caller, for sharing your entry. Well, guys, I have some excellent news for you. I know a lot of you are out there waiting for these brand new Halloween shirts to be reordered. And the good news is, they are here. So please jump on over to monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the shop tab and pick yours up today. Now, I can't tell you for sure if we'll order these again. So if you want one, I suggest you act quickly. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Does it seem like there's a block between you and your happiness? Do you struggle daily, but are unsure where to turn? Well, BetterHelp can and will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a convenient, safe, online environment and start communicating in under 48 hours. With BetterHelp, you have the option to schedule weekly video or phone sessions or message your counselor pretty much any time. Now rest easy knowing anything you share is completely confidential. Now BetterHelp's counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, family conflicts, and a whole lot more. And the service is available worldwide, so it doesn't matter where you're listening from. And you know, this whole thing's at a more affordable price than the traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is also available if you need it. Now I want you to start living a happier life. I want you to conquer those blocks. And as a Monsters Among Us listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Allow BetterHelp to offer you that lifeline. Join over 1 million people who have already taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thanks for listening. Now, our next comment on this inspirational post comes to us from 12B.G.26, and they're requesting black-eyed children. Well, I can tell you, I've been sitting on a particular call waiting for a really good time to play it. And it's not about black-eyed children, but I think it's close enough that 12BG26 just might enjoy this. So please, welcome from the state of Oklahoma, Dylan. Hi, Derek. It's uh, Dylan from Oklahoma. 
Uh, I've called a, a few times before, um, and I'm also the guy that posted on the group page um, asking for um, black-eyed kid stories for a uh, documentary. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm here to promote that, but I actually kind of came across something in my research today that I thought, you know, you might want to share on the show. This isn't a personal encounter or anything, but... Um, I just thought it was really cool and maybe good uh, good for um, a Monsters Among Us episode. It was in one of the books that I recently ordered. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's uh, short and mostly white and some red on it. I, I apologize if I was at the... Uh, if I was at my grad office, I could give you the exact title, but I'm at home right now. Anyway, the uh, thing that I found was the possibility of the existence of something called white-eyed kids. Now, I'm, I'm personally not 100% convinced on that, according to that book, as well as uh, some digging around on the internet. It's a pretty recent phenomena, but I mean, I'm so are the mirrored men, so if the mirrored men... Um, exists as I as I believe they do, so could these. So what I found out is that white-eyed kids differ from black-eyed children in a couple key ways. For one, um, obviously, is the the they have solid white eyes as opposed to solid black eyes. The their alleged hypnotic powers are a lot more powerful. From the from the story that I'm going to share that I read online. I'm not sure, too sure I'm convinced about that one either, but yeah, their hypnotic powers are supposed to be more powerful. Sometimes they even can have white hair, usually blonde hair. But the most interesting part is the possibility of missing time, which I haven't really seen a whole lot, at least in the Black Guide Kid stories that I've read. I've read a lot of them, uh, I just haven't seen those in the ones that I've read. But in in the story I found online about white-eyed kids, there was this veteran who was stopping off at a gas station, I think, or he was stopping off at a restaurant to get something to eat. I don't... Um, it was it was something like that. And this kid knocks on his window. So it's starting out a lot like a black-eyed kid encounter. This kid knocks on his window. He says, hey, um, you know, well, mister, can you roll down your window for me? He rolls down his window. And the... Uh, um, what I kid says, hey, uh, can um, can you take me home? Can you let me inside um, and take me home? You know, and once again, it's at this point that he finally notices the eyes. Now, this is another key difference I noticed is that while the alleged witness was put off by the eyes, really super creeped out by the eyes, because again, I mean, I, they were solid white as opposed to solid black. And the witness did clarify that it wasn't like a milky white, like someone who's blind. It was like pure solid white. So it was, it was as if oh, the entire eye was the sclera, as opposed to the entire eye being like the iris, being solid black. He didn't mention that he felt a sense of malevolence coming from this thing. He was just creeped out by it. So eventually, he ends as you'd expect it to. He drives off. But he doesn't really remember driving off. Next thing he knew, he was on the road heading home. And it started, and this sudden downpour of rain occurred. Um, he looks at 
the clock and it's 7 p.m. Well, when he pulled into the uh, gas station, it was 4.45 p.m. So he lost time during the encounter with this thing. Um, the next day at work, he then finds two handprints, like child-sized handprints, on the window on his car of the side where the kid was. So it's kind of interesting. I, uh, I'm i not convinced 100% of these things are real. I'm a believer in black-eyed kids, but my, my worry is that this could be like a creepypasta or something that spawned from the idea of black-eyed children. I don't know. But, I mean, if any of your listeners have seen a white-eyed kid, I mean, they should call that into the show because... If these things are real, they're a lot more rarer than black-eyed kid encounters, and black-eyed kid encounters are always are already super rare. Yeah, I just think it would be it would be cool to hear more of these encounters if they indeed are a thing right now. I will say one other key difference there possibly could be, just based on my research of black-eyed kids, is that their motives are probably a little different. I am of the belief that black-eyed kids, like their hypnotic effect, isn't necessarily trying to put the idea into your head to let them inside. It's more so the fear aspect because they might feed off of the energy produced by fear. You know, that fight-or-flight response produces a lot of energy, and then when you come down from that... You're, you feel really tired, really drained, and a lot of black-eyed kid witnesses who let them inside report feeling drained of energy for a long time and getting that energy sucked from you because of fear could maybe exacerbate that effect. I don't know. But in the white-eyed kid encounter, you don't have that fear aspect as pronounced. The witness did not report feeling that the, the entity was malevolent. He felt creeped out by the eyes. And, you know, I would be creeped out by that, too, if I didn't know what I was looking at. So maybe there are reasons for why they want you to give them permission to enter into whatever place they're trying to enter into is completely different. Again, that that would require more witness testimony. But, yeah. Um, anyway, um, I hope you could use this. I apologize, it's not exactly in the right kind of format, but love the show a lot. Yeah, hope you have a good week. Bye. Thank you, Dylan. We always love learning new things here. And that's exactly what the wide-eyed children are. They're new to me. But throughout this description, I couldn't help but think of The Village of the Damned. There's two different versions of the film. Christopher Reeve, I believe, is in one of them. Anyway, the town's children turn into these white-haired, white-eyed zombies. And they look almost exactly like what Dylan's describing. Well, I did a little searching on this new phenomena. And I found this entry in villainsfandom.com. And they have it categorized as a urban legend. Much like black-eyed children encounters, the white-eyed children are known to knock on doors or windows. However, unlike black-eyed children who travel in groups, primarily duos, 
The white-eyed children are reportedly seclusive and rarely appear in groups when interacting with their victims. They are also typically sighted in isolated areas such as the woods or campgrounds. Also, unlike their relatives, they don't need permission to get inside a victim's house. Instead, they'd suddenly appear inside, where they then motionlessly stare at the witness without an iota of emotion. Also, unlike the black-eyed children, white-eyed children are powerful telepaths using mind control to communicate. It goes on to describe a few other attributes. Well, just when you thought it was safe to go into the woods, there's a new monster out there. You know, one thing that's always troubled me with the black-eyed children, and I suppose these new white-eyed children, why wouldn't they just wear a pair of sunglasses? Then they're just strange children in sunglasses. Of course you'd let them in. Right. Thanks again, Dylan, for sharing the entry. Now, guys, I'll just squeeze this in here. Go support me on Patreon if you can. Uh, we truly appreciate it. There's a lot of great content over there. Patreon.com forward slash Monsters of Miles podcast. Well, now, next up on our little list of suggestions is Frank, and he says, definitely more ghosts. More law enforcement stories, too. Well, Frank, let me see what I can find. Hey, Derek, this is Anthony. I live in Westminster, Maryland. It's November 21st, 2020. This has been a rough year so far. I'm in the car right now, cleaning out my car, giving, making some more space, and I was listening to the podcast, and I got reminded about something that I had ran into a couple months back. This was before COVID. Man, time really flies. Uh, she was going down some back roads and she ran into a bunch of what looked like police cars, SWAT team, uh, at three in the morning looking for something, maybe an escaped alien or something. And it triggered something in my mind that I really just let go because I thought it was nothing. I was on my way back from rehearsal. Before COVID, I used to dance in this dinner theater show. It wasn't really huge. We used to have like 300 audience members at a time, one show a year. It's, it was, wasn't was huge. I'm not a movie star or anything like that, but it was something enjoyable to do. God, I really miss it. I love dancing and stuff. But anyway, I was coming down these back roads at 11 p.m. on my way home from rehearsal, and I was going through this place called Harney, Maryland. It's right there by the PA line. If you go far enough down Harney Road, you will hit Littlestown, PA. And that's the, that's the route I was taking. I was going down Harney Road coming from Hagerstown, Maryland, I had just passed through Emmitsburg and I was coming down Harney Road and I came to a similar situation. It was a bunch of cop cars all over the place. Some of them looked like federal agents. They were like black, all blacked out cars with lights on the inside and they were all over the place. It was probably about 11 or 12 of them and I, I couldn't see what was going on but I asked if I could proceed through if there was like some sort of blockage. and. He kind of just like waved me on through and ignored what I said. And he was like still looking around as he was waving me on through to, to pass through to continue on Harney Road. Right at that intersection, there's a bunch of houses and businesses. Is a Harney shop, Harney shop road there. But it, it, nothing ever came up in the news. And that that one thing that, that was mentioned about nothing ever coming up in the news really, 
really like triggered my mind to come and call you guys and and, and uh, talk about it. Maybe it was something because who knows? It's a very uh, secluded area back there, open space, farmland, just on the other side of Carroll County. So anything could be going on. But yeah, nothing happened in the news. So it was a little strange. But uh, yeah, you have a great podcast, and I, I appreciate you for uh, giving me this platform, giving us this platform to talk about the things we see. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Anthony. It really makes you wonder what was going on out there. You know, it could have been some sort of fugitive, possibly a raid. I remember when I lived in Los Angeles, my roommate and friend from college, he bought a house in Mid-City. It was right along the I-10 freeway. It literally hit it with a baseball. And in the middle of the night, in our first, I'd say, three weeks, I felt something I'd never felt before in my entire life. I was dead asleep, and I was startled awake by my entire body reverberating. I'm an extremely light sleeper, so I feel I experienced a majority of what took place. Well, I jumped awake and met my roommates out in the living room. And that's when we realized the house across the street, literally across the street, was being raided by the Los Angeles Police Department. And the intense vibration that I felt was a percussion grenade about 100 feet away. Now, like Anthony, I have no idea what the police were doing there because everyone that lived in the home was back there the next day. But I'll never forget the feeling I felt that night. That was quite odd. And as for Anthony's entry, who knows what it was. Like I said, it could have been a fugitive. Could have been an accident. Could have been a raid. Or it could have been an escaped creature. Why not? Thanks again, Anthony, for sharing the entry. Tonight's episode is also brought to you by Simply Safe. There's big news from my favorite home security company. Simply Safe just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right, Simply Safe. The system that U.S. News & World Report names best home security system of 2021. And it just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to keep you and your family safe. This security camera has an ultra-wide 140-degree field of view, perfect for keeping watch over your entire yard. It also has 1080p HD resolution with an 8x zoom, so you'll be able to see things like faces, license plates, and of course Sasquatch, clearly to capture critical evidence. The setup is quick and easy, and it has a built-in spotlight and color night vision, so you'll be able to keep an eye on whatever's going on, day or night. You never know. You might be able to catch something spooky on that camera. To learn more about the new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com forward slash monsters among us. And what's more, 
Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com forward slash monsters among us. As always, supporting our sponsors helps support the show. So thanks for listening. Back to the spooky stuff. Now bringing up the old telephone here. The next commenter is Skinwalkerism. And they say, more ABCs slash phantom big cats and dogman. Well, Skinwalkerism, we already covered the dogman, so I bet you I could find an ABC call. In fact, the following is Zach's entry from the state of Tennessee. Yeah, my name's Zach, and um, I'm calling from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, This is the first time I've ever listened to your podcast was tonight, and it's interesting that uh, I have a reason to call in. But referring to the uh, 911 dispatch operator um, out of Chattanooga from Season 9, Episode 1 of the First Responders, and the panther in the road, I was a truck driver for about seven years back uh, a long time ago now, about 15, 16 years ago, something like that. Around, you know, I lived in Tennessee, so I went through Chattanooga a lot. And one night I was at a truck stop outside Chattanooga, and every once in a while I'd turn on the CB just to hear drivers talking back and forth. And I heard these drivers talking about the craziest thing they'd ever seen. And one driver said he pulled into a truck stop late one night and went in, you know, cab first, which usually he doesn't do. And he heard a rustling and heard a rustling outside his truck and it was coming from the front. So he jumped into the front seat and turned the lights on. And when he did that, he saw a black panther licking the bugs out of the grill of his truck in the truck stop parking lot somewhat. It had come because the parking lot butted up to some trees. So that's the entire story. I don't have anything else to go with it. I just thought it was pretty interesting that the first night I listened to it, I hear a story that relates to another story that I had firsthand heard, you know, a firsthand that I heard from the person's mouth about a Black Panther in the Chattanooga area. Uh, thank you very much. Your podcast is pretty cool. Bye. Thank you, Zach. Well, this episode has certainly shown me that I need to circle back to some of these special episodes. Law enforcement. Truckers. And I saw a few people suggesting things here on this comment thread. Uh, The service industry, that's a pretty good idea. Uh, More trucker stories. We just got one of those. Hiker camper stories, which I also think is a pretty good idea. And there's a few others in here. So let's go ahead and name our next special while we're at it. And although I am not religious in practically any way, I am fascinated by the stories and lore. And believe it or not, I have several friends that are pastors or preachers or whatever the denomination. And they've all told me strange stories. None that I think were quite qualified to be on this program, but... Odd stories, nonetheless. So I think our next special episode will be stories from the clergy. Or maybe there's a better terminology, but uh, if you're a pastor, preacher, priest, nun, 
Uh, you know, whatever. If you work in religion and you have a wild story to share, give us a call to hotline 1-888-608-NIGHT. And when you do, be sure to use the word clergy early on because that'll be the search word that I go with. Now, folks, before we head up this final call of the evening, I have some good news to announce. This past weekend, the 2021 Paranormal Podcast Awards, presented by Paranormality Media, were held. And wouldn't you know, we took home the gold yet again. This time, for the 2021 Paranormal Podcast Award for Best Paranormal Podcast. I'll tell you what, if this keeps happening, I'm going to have to build a shelf. A huge, huge thanks to everyone that took the time to vote, everyone that takes the time to listen and contribute, and of course, donate and support our sponsors. And obviously, a gigantic thanks to Paranormality, Jack, Sam, everybody over there. Thank you guys so much. And finally, that brings us to our final entry of the evening. And this one was requested a few different times. But originally, Little Cries mentioned it. Sean over at Campbell Coachworks mentioned it, in a way. But the first person to recommend it was Chrisabel, writing, Bigfoot, my favorite. Well, Chrisabel, tonight is also your lucky night. Because this Sasquatch story that I have queued up for you, it gave me the creeps. So without further hesitation, bring your little ones close. The following is Mark's entry from Parts Unknown. Hello, Derek. My name is Mark. Huge fan of your podcast. Uh, my story comes out of Colorado. Uh, when I was younger, it was about 20 years ago, so the early 2000s, I had a family, I had an uncle and his wife and kids that lived up in the mountains pretty deep into the rockies well my brother my dad went to go visit his brother my uncle and took us along well i have two older brothers and an older cousin the two older brothers decided to go out and explore the woods with my older cousin and i of course begged to go along well i'm about five years younger than my older brother and six than the oldest brother so I was always that younger brother that was pleading to go along, be as cool as my older brothers. Anyways, we get up to the mountains, we're exploring, and at every chance they get, they keep trying to ditch me and twist and turns. But anyways, I uh, it was about nine, ten o'clock at night. You know, our parents are sitting around enjoying themselves while we're out exploring. Uh, we had been gone for about 30 to 45 minutes just walk in not too far away from the house when they decide hey do you want to see this cool spot I decided I wanted to go with of course yeah yeah well we go and they keep mumbling and whispering to each other and I thought that they were talking about the monsters or you know strange things they had seen well, all of a sudden I hear them just take off running and I try to keep up but I have no idea where they went so, like I said, it's about 10 o'clock at night. I'm fruitlessly looking around, can't find them. So I just stay put. That's the first thing I've always learned. If you're lost, 
stay put and just holler. So every I stay put and it's you know 20 30 minutes goes by and I'm starting to get really freaked out. So I start crying, start screaming and after about another 5 minutes of you know just crying and nobody answering I hear the branch snap and I'm thinking oh they're coming and I could hear them so I get up and I tiptoe and as soon as I come around the bend it was a little bit of a hill clear night as well I come around the base of this tree big tree and I swear to you I came face to face with something that I've never seen before it was tall everyone in my family is above at least six four so this thing was seven eight feet tall I come around the corner I come around that tree and we had both just scared each other I'd surprised him and I wasn't expecting something so tall so I immediately just sat down on the ground in shock this thing looked the only way I can describe it is the closest way is Harry and the Hendersons big long long face hair everywhere but eyes big as dinner plates because I had scared him. Anyways, I sat down and all of a sudden he took off. He just turned around on his heel and just took off into the brush crashing and I could hear him running. And and after another five to 10 minutes of sitting there, just keeping my eyes closed, I could hear my uncle and my dad and my family calling for me. So I raised the alarm, I'm here, I'm here. And when I got back to the house, I had said something, I had seen something, but nobody believed me. Everyone's just, oh, it's your mind playing tricks on you. You're hearing stuff. So I never told anybody in my family, and I've never had the guts to tell anybody until now. I hope you can use this. Like I said, it scared me something fierce. Um, Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mark, for working up the courage to share that story. And that's a traumatizing story, even without the Sasquatch experience. And it's also a story that sounds vaguely familiar. A few short years ago, there was a missing child story that I remember hearing about. It sounded oddly similar to what Mark had experienced. The disappearance of Casey Hathaway. In North Carolina tonight, there is an urgent search for a three-year-old boy, Casey Hathaway. He went out to play with two other children and then disappeared from his grandmother's yard. Here's ABC's Steve Osinsami now. Volunteers from the U.S. Marines are helping authorities in eastern North Carolina tonight, searching the thick woods for three-year-old Casey Hathaway. The FBI is here, and more than 400 neighbors are also helping in the search, but so far, no sign of the boy. Our number one priority right now is uh, finding Casey. The three-year-old went missing Tuesday afternoon from his grandmother's home in rural Craven County, where he was playing in the backyard with two related children. By the time the other kids came inside, the boy had disappeared. It was freezing cold Tuesday night, and authorities are hoping the boy found shelter, but they're also searching nearby waters. That story courtesy of ABC World News Tonight. Maybe you spot the coincidences. A young boy, lost in the woods, abandoned by two other children. And like Mark's story, Casey's too has a happy ending. Casey was found.
but also, just like in Mark's experience, there's a wrinkle to the story. Little Casey spent two nights in the woods battling freezing temperatures and heavy rain. Rescuers had to wade through waist-deep water just to get to the three-year-old. He was discovered tangled up in a thorn bush like this one, soaking wet, cold, and crying for his mother. Then came the surprising turn in this story. Casey's aunt revealed on Facebook that Casey said he hung out with a bear for two days. Miracles do happen. He said that he was in the woods and asked... Um, like, who are you with? And he said, a bear. Was it really possible? Did a wild black bear befriend Casey and keep the youngsters safe? I went with wildlife expert Chris Lasher from the North Carolina Zoo to investigate. This territory where little Casey was found is, is perfect bear territory. They would definitely live in this area. So it's definitely possible. One theory out there is that the bear mistook Casey for a cub. Is that even possible? Bears are very nurturing animals, but they, they take care of their own. I'm, I'm not sure that a bear would see uh, a, a young child in distress as a, a possible, possible something that they have to take care of. Yeah! Casey's story has charmed everyone. Well-wishers have sent him dozens of stuffed bears. As for his mom, she knows not everyone believes a bear kept her son safe, but she does. If he said he was with a bear, he was with a bear. And that clip is courtesy of Inside Edition. And it's certainly an interesting detail in this extraordinary story. And like with Mark's story, at the end of the day, you have to sit back and decide which of the following is more likely. That a three-year-old boy managed to survive as long as he did in the freezing temperatures and the downpour of rain. Or that a friendly black bear adopted him temporarily keeping him alive until rescuers could find him or that little Casey mistaken a bear for something else well I'd always thought that story to be fascinating I'm glad I finally found an opportunity to share it so thank you again Mark for sharing your entry that's one of the better Bigfoot stories I've heard in a while. And I also want to thank everyone that commented on the Instagram post. I realize I did not get to nearly enough of you. But this was a lot of fun. This was a challenge for me that I enjoyed. And I could see myself doing this again in the future. So if I didn't get to you this time, be sure to comment next time and I'll see what I can do. And on that note, that's going to do it for this grab bag episode. So Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Keep the party rolling by joining us on social media. As you can see, sometimes we drop little surprises. We have accounts at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have a few short moments please jump over to Apple iTunes or whatever they're calling it these days and leave the show a five-star rating and a nice little review. Certainly appreciate it. And lastly, the terrifying score you heard this evening was provided by Co.ag Music, Carl Casey, and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. 
Now for tonight's bonus entry. I decided just to spin the wheel. Thumb through all the comments. Land on a random one. And in doing so, I fell upon Alex Z underscore TMC, who commented, Can we hear more disappearances? Well, Alex, I got just what you ordered. The following was submitted by Michael in the state of Oklahoma. Hi, Derek. My name's Michael. I live up in northeast Oklahoma. And the story I'm going to tell you took place about a decade apart. The first part of the story, I was about in between the ages of 11 and 13, somewhere in there. And I was at my grandparents' house in Pitcher, Oklahoma, the ghost town. I've got stories about that. But I was at my grandparents' house. I went outside, and I was all by myself. I think my grandma was inside, but I was just going outside by myself whenever this wind swept by and well on the wind I, I could pick up the smell well when I picked up on the smell I turned around and I swear whenever I turned around I saw this girl I don't know what she was doing she was in the in the woods behind behind my grandparents house and when I turned around I saw her and I blinked and she took off she, she just ran off I, I tried looking for her, but I couldn't find anybody. And I always went back in those woods, and I never saw any kind of any kind of footprints or like evidence that she was there, other than you know the fact that I saw her and the leaves were moving and all that. And that was the first time. The second time happened about a decade later, like I said, and I was in my twenties delivering for a tire company over just a few miles away over by a lake and I sorry I'm, I'm not this is the first time I'm telling anybody but was delivering and it was just a normal sunny day same as before and the wind swept by with the same exact smell and I'd only ever smelled that smell twice in my life and it was those two times and each time I smelled it I turned around the second time I didn't see anybody but I did see a shadow just kind of run behind some brush. So it's probably one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me. It's definitely the one that sticks out most in my head about weird things. Yeah, it's really weird, and I haven't been able to explain it. Uh, if it happened once, I would have just said it was just a little kid's imagination. But the second time, when I was in my 20s, I, I'm fairly skeptical still, and it still kind of freaks me out. But... Love the podcast, and thanks. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this. Okay, bye. Thank you, Michael. Certainly a peculiar story indeed. But I'm not sure I can comment on it, because I'm not sure what type of story we're talking about here. The mention of the strange smell, while a very important detail, Michael unfortunately left out what the smell was. So if it was a putrid, rancid smell, maybe we're dealing with Sasquatch or something like that. Then again, if it's a sweet, perfumey smell, well, this could be a ghostly encounter. But if it's sulfuric or uh, smells like ozone or something like that, this could be a ripple in time or something along those lines. 
So you see, the possibilities here are endless. And that's why details are incredibly important. Regardless of that, it is a fascinating story, Michael. And we're so glad you shared it with us here this evening. And speaking of which, I'm excited to have you here this evening as well. Thank you for stopping by. And have yourself a nice little evening. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.